Welcome to Hellbent for Metal, the metal podcast that has something very different come to mind when you ask if the bear shits in the woods. What does it actually mean? Because that is a saying, isn't it? But I'm terrible at sayings. Right. Does the bear take a crap in the woods is something, is basically saying, yes, of course it does. It's oh, the same like, as like, is, sort of shit. Or is the Pope a Catholic? Or if you get right. confused, does the Pope take a crap in the woods? <laughs> <laughs> like there's a, a a genuine Irish version of the phrase I've heard a lot when I've been over there, which is it's the bearer Catholic, which is like the polite mixing of the two. But, um, oh, yeah, it's it's quite nice. Um, but uh, the uh, answer to the phrase does the bear crap in the woods round here? Of course, is no. He sits in a very comfortable toilet like other civilized humans. <laughs> what kind of monster are you? Uh, but enough about crapping, uh, probably not the last we're going to mention bears in this episode, but, you know, standard. Uh, this is Hellbent for Metal, the LGBTQ plus heavy metal podcast in partnership with NotFest. I'm Tom Dare, namaste, and with me once more is the man you've come to know and love, the beer snob with a love for unintelligible saxophone wanking, the man who puts the bent into Brentford Football Club, who's not allowed <laughs> within a hundred yards of Ina Solberg without a chaperone, Matt Rushton. How are you doing, mate? Wow, I've uh, I've been catching up on all the shows that I was away when Matt, Matt and Charlie filled in, and oh uh, god, am I in trouble? <laughs> that's what I was about to say. So, all the uh, jokes at my expense, I thought would probably be halted when I got back, but apparently not. Fuck it, let's go. Um, to be fair, I think that's a lot more polite than the stuff I was saying behind your back. <laughs> there was one in particular. <laughs> go on, which one? Oh, it was. Oh, fuck, I was only listening to it last night as well. It was something about. Something being put in my slot. Yeah, um, the, yeah. I said the I referred to someone as as ably filling your slot. Yeah. Mm, yes, that was it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and phrase that I'm sure has never been used before. Not at all. Definitely not. Um, that would hopefully not be the last of the euphemisms this week. But uh, we we might have to talk about something serious in a second. Um, how are you doing, though? By the way, before we get onto that, sort of don't know who I am anymore. To be honest sort of don't know if I'm a real person. So, yeah, good, maybe. Is is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Caught in yeah, a, wait, quiet. no, that's, that's, that's something else. Um, well, um, hopefully this will bring you back to reality with a bumper as I start making rude jokes in every other sentence. Um, apologies, we're late, by the way. Uh, it was a bank holiday in the UK on our usual record day, which I'd totally forgotten about until the day before, and we both kind of needed a day off. Uh, Matt didn't get one, but I did, so um, that was nice for me, and Matt was working, uh, because of course he was. Uh, we begin today with a harmony corruption. Uh, this is where we take a look at a moment someone in metal was unhelpful to the subcultures LGBTQ plus community uh, in, in a prominent way. This time we're going back to 2009, when the new wave of American metal was still very much the zeitgeist. Every black metal band wanted to be Dimmu Borgir, Immortal released All Share Fall, or Replaques released the debut, and Iron Maiden won a Brit Award. Yeah, that really happened. That feels like really? a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I did not know that. I have a feeling it was one of those stupid times that they've opened it up to, like, they've opened Best British Band up to a vote, or Best mm. British Live Band. And Iron Maiden had just done Somewhere in to somewhere Back in Time tour, right, which was doing all the kind of Power Slave era stuff. Which is a really massive tour. I think that was where they did Twickenham, and we have a fucking big stadium, which anyone in the UK doesn't know. Um, and generally a massive tour. So opening the um, vote up to Best British Live Band to the public is a bit silly, because of course it's Iron Maiden are going to fucking win it. It's like, you know, who's the best band in the world in America? Well, nine times out of ten, Metallica win it, because the metal fans vote. Mm. True. Actually, these days I'm not sure if Metallica would. Probably a lot of people who vote for Slipknot, though. That would be quite amusing. Best band in the world at the Grammys, voted for by the public. They were expecting it to be someone really bland, and it's it's the nine. Yeah, okay. Um, that should happen. Anyway, among all that good stuff that I just mentioned, because that was actually quite fun. 2009, I remember being quite a good time for Mel. Um, unfortunately, Steel Panther, or as I call him, Steel Panda, uh, released their debut single, Death to All But Metal. Before we get onto the bits, we find a tad less than helpful about that song. How are we going to describe them? Because we should probably agree on that first, right? Parody hair metal? Is that fair? Or am I kind of selling them a bit short? 
Yeah, I mean, they're like a sort of comedy band, aren't they? And basically, there's no good comedy bands. So that's you know, true. Straight away. So yeah, and I, I hate to say it, I'm including Death Clock in that. Just, I don't find Death Clock funny. I don't find it funny, but they do have a couple of good songs. Like if you take all the sort of shtick away, the songs are quite well written, I think. Yeah, but you could say the same thing about Steel Panda, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Fuck's sake, Tom! Fucking prove me wrong already. <laughs> but if, like, if you accept the concept, like if you buy into the concept, what they they are doing the metal bit well. I mean, it's it's very yeah. kind of glam and you know, nineteen eighty seven, but. Like if you like that stuff, yeah, then exactly. they are executing it quite well. And if you kind of accept the that a load of it is pastiche and you deliberately rip off, like the the um uh the little guitar lick that leads into the chorus in Death to All But Metal is Seek and Destroyed by Metallica. Like not even subtle that it's just it's lifted directly. And there's a load of other things they've done which are clearly just referencing some big metal song. And I mean, if if you're going to rip something off, Seek and Destroy is only the best metal song ever written. So, you know, that would be quite a good one. My opinion, don't at me. Um, so you didn't like them, you don't like them even on a musical level? Well, um, I didn't, because I had sort of... <laughs> interesting. So, Death to Metal, as we'll discuss, was sort of played on, like, Kerrang! and Scuzz and whatever all the time. Yeah, uh, in the era that I was... Yeah, yeah, in the era that I was, like, getting into this sort of music. So I, you know, was exposed to that song loads. Um, <clears throat> didn't really pay attention to the lyrics quite liked the song so went in on the other stuff and didn't like any of that so this for many years was the only steel panther song that i liked and you know then we'll continue the story <laughs> <laughs> and and then <laughs> yeah. um, so you you bef- did you have an issue with it before i raised it because I've had an issue with this for a long, long time. Like this is a long burning thing for me. This is not something that I'm just going. Yeah. Well, I've got a podcast now, and I need some content. This is something that has been pissing me off for 13 yeah. years. But d- d- that wasn't a bother for you then. Well, it wasn't that. It was just that I hadn't ever actually taken notice of the lyrics. Had I, then yeah, I would have. But because I'll, I'll, I'll tell the story. I told you when we went out for a drink a few weeks ago. I thought that this was just maybe sort of you being a bit like sensitive. <laughs> And then, and then, and then you read the lyrics. In. Yeah, yeah, because I saw it on the spreadsheet. I was like, okay, let's go. And I read the lyrics. And I was like, oh, actually, you might have a point there. <laughs> yeah, because like, I hate this song, right? Like, I, I know it's a parody, but it, there are there are two um, little kind of couplets in the first verse and the last verse, which are like really kind of nakedly homophobic. Right? It's that that's the point. Is deliberately homophobic for comic effect, and I know it's a parody, but it kind of wants you to laugh at homophobia or possibly with the homophobia. I can't, I can never quite tell because it's. I'll get to why I have a problem with that in a second. The you know, the, is it with or at? Like I will leave women to be the judges of ha- of the kind of the misogyny in the parody, right? Because there is. A lot of uh, most Steel Panther is misogynist for comic effect as a parody, and I will leave women to discuss whether that is, you know, well done and funny, or it's actually, you know, not really at all. If I try, I'll make an absolute tit of myself, so I'm not going to do that. But using the F slur, and that's the one I particularly have a problem with, and using gay as an insult. And making it so the idea of very normal sex acts between men are shameful things and and just hilariously hysterically funny. I don't think that's a very good idea. Is that just me? Am I being too sensitive? Well, no. It's it is so overt, isn't it? And it's like you were like I said, I was catching up on the shows where I missed, and you were talking about um, three of you were talking about Brooklyn Nine Nine and the way they sort of handled jokes on queer stuff and like how it's it's not like the queers are the sort of center of the joke like to be laughed at and whereas this is it's completely that and it's also just really fucking juvenile like these are the types of things you hear when you're like 13 years old in secondary school and no one knows any better it's just like what they've heard from fucking society and whatever it's like oh yeah you know like it's the classic you hear so much at school yeah yeah but like these are grown men (laughs) yeah 
grow up. What the fuck is this? And the thing is, like, so I didn't really sort of take much notice of the lyrics when I was, you know, hearing it back on Kerrang! and Skulls, but how they managed to get away with this, because, like, I mean, I don't know, I've not watched, like, Kerrang! and Skulls, well, Skulls isn't a thing, but I've not watched Kerrang! in a long time, so I don't know if they still play this, but, like, I bet how they could this fucking get past that? Is what I'm saying, yeah, but, like, I know the world has big, sort of come a long way in this, but, like, even back then, like, this is very overt. You couldn't say fact back then. That's insane. Oh, you could. You could. Really? And this is what you got to remember, is that... Because th- this is why I was so, like, I can't be out in metal, right? Mm. I mean, yeah, th- sure. in fairness, I was quite closeted at this point still. I mean, I, not to myself, but you know, in terms of the outside world, I was, you know, very discreet. Uh, well, I'm sure there are plenty of gay men I, I met who went, hm, yeah, he, he likes it. Um, but this... Stuff like this was a big component because this didn't just pass, it got enormous. And people thought it's hilarious and didn't see a problem with it at all. And thought that, and including the, you know, the stuff about um, uh, Eminem and Dr. Dre. And why is it all hip hop artists as well? That's the other thing. Like, why is all the homophobia directed at hip hop artists? I've never felt comfortable about that. Anyway, that's just, that's I, maybe because like there is so much homophobia in hip hop that they were just sort of like say, you know doing the whole all, all homophobes are gay sort of thing, but then they're doing it themselves. So does that make them gay? Who fucking knows? Yeah, I don't know. Dive into their minds. <laughs> I I don't know, but I I was never entirely comfortable with that. But I'm, again, that's not something that I'm really going to get exercised about. That it was all it was that people thought that that those jokes were fu- fucking hilarious. Right, mm. which made me feel very defensive and like, if people are laughing at fag jokes, why would I trust them to be myself around them? Yeah, exactly. Right, and that was a real pro- problem. This stuff did just pass, and it was that stuff only really changed, I reckon, in around twenty thirteen, fourteen. It was something around that point. Mm. Like, 2011, 12, I was definitely still hearing it. Definitely 2012, because I remember one instant of it happening and finding it really problematic. Um, mm. And it was only kind of the year after that I really felt something had shifted. And I swear it was marriage legalization here and in the US mm. that was kind of the absolute tipping point. That was when people were like, oh, we can't make those jokes anymore. They're actually not funny. But 2009, yeah, absolutely. Bring it on. More homophobia, the better. Well, I've seen Steel Panther twice over the last couple of months, completely by accident, may I add. Um, and, like, people still, like, go fucking mad, especially yeah. for this song, which is yeah. weird. But I think, generally, those sort of people are just a bit stupid, really, aren't they? Because it's the same, like, it's very similar to the whole Aelstorm thing. Like, a download, like, their crowd was packed, and I saw so much Aelstorm merch across the whole weekend. And... Just for, it's like a very similar thing, you know, they're a bunch of racists, still plan through a bunch of homophobes, and their fans are all, like, fucking idiots, basically. Like, they just don't have any intelligence about them, I think. And, like, I mean, Aelstorm, before they were even racist, were fucking shit. Like, they are not funny, they never have been funny. That's a side issue, though, it's entirely... Yeah, but I think if you're going to laugh at those jokes, like, fuck me. As we found out over the weekend, though, it's entirely possible to be in a brilliant band and be an absolute shitbag. This is true. More on that later. Um... But I kind of, I, I'm not entirely convinced that they are homophobic, the band. I think this is really badly judged rather than genuine homophobia. I think it's someone making a joke. That excuses, the, it? I don't think, it, well, you can't just, you can't separate action from consequence entirely, intent from consequence, right? But it does change, it, it, there's a very di- big difference be- between someone whose actions in effect are homophobic but if you point it out to them that actually maybe that's not helpful, might go, oh, God, sorry, I didn't want to do that, and might not do it again or change them, change their approach or whatever. And someone who means to be homophobic and quite enjoys the homophobic obia and isn't going to change whatever you say to them, right? There is a difference between those two, irrespective of the outcome of the initial action. So I'm, yeah, sure. I'm very, very cautious about labelling Steel Panther as homophobic because I'm not, I'm not convinced they are. I I kind of feel, as far as they're concerned, it's like it may be an Al Murray the pub landlord situation, but there's a big difference. Is that I think that Al Murray is Al Murray, by the way, for anyone who doesn't know, is a comedian who is quite 
like middle class, but makes himself sound like a working class pub landlord from the southeast of England with a very stereotypical action and a, a accent and very stereotypical set of views that you would quite commonly hear from pub landlords in the UK in the 1980s. So kind of casual xenophobia, not kind of outright overt racism, but just the kind of we've got enough foreigners, thank you, that kind of thing. Yeah, Yeah, very wary of foreigners and kind of too proud of being British, right? Like like someone who's like too proud of the country they fell out of their mum's fanny in, right? (laughs) There's not really anything that they've kind of done to make them proud of their country yeah exactly it's just that i'm british and therefore that means it's good weird yeah it, yeah but it, the, the point there is he is lampooning something very hard and it's it's very clear yeah. that what he's doing is sending up something to make it look ridiculous and anyone who watches it repeatedly more than kind of the first five seconds will work out very quickly that he is is very clearly targeting what he's doing quite intelligently um Mm. unfortunately there are a load of people who do just see it and go he's serious and and laugh with him rather and don't realize they're the butt of the joke the difference there is that i think those people are kind of if you're those people it's very very difficult for you to see it yourself and actually maybe eventually you might come around but it's very unlikely you're going to get it from comedy ever. Everyone else immediately realizes that the joke is that those guys are assholes, mm-hmm. or they they really need to wise up. I don't think Steel Panther's parody is sufficiently clever, or fu- or like fu- or like satirical or anything else for for the majority of the people who watch it to get the irony. I think it is just (laughs) two guys jizzing on each other is hilarious. Yeah, they're not clever enough, and if they were, then they wouldn't actually use the slur. Like you said, Al Murray, like, he, it's not like he's, you know, going around calling these people the N-word or whatever. Whereas No, he's never used the (laughs) P-slur. Yeah, exactly. Steel Panther are are doing that. Like, yeah, fuck off. Yeah. Um, Al Murray, I think, by the way, everyone twigged after the Thanet by-election that he, that, you know, you would have to be fairly not paying attention to realise that he it is a parody. But there are people who take it seriously. I think that most people see Steel Panther's mis- like overt misogyny and do get that that's a parody, but I don't know if the same thing happens with the homophobia. Mm. Beyond that, though, what's the point of the parody? Like, what is the actual joke if, it is a, if the joke is satirical? Because it's not saying anything about homophobia. It's got nothing to say at all. It's not saying it's stupid, mm. really. It's kind of because it's not. It's not exaggerated comic effect. It's just actually, it's not exaggerated. Because to be exaggerated, you'd have to go so far. People would go, "Hang on now," right? Yeah. I don't think there is any. I don't think there's any substance. I just think that they are, like I said, so juvenile and have never grown up that they just think laughing at gay people because they're gay is funny, which is so boring. But I'm not. I'm. I'm really reluctant to judge intention because, it, for all I know, they actually may have. They may be trying to satirise homophobia, right? And I'm really, really reluctant to accuse them of something that I I cannot possibly know. When it, it could be a case because I've heard some. I know some people who've spent quite a lot of time with them and have lots of think of nice things to say about them behind the scenes. And I kind of. I wonder. If they are people who are well-intentioned, are trying to make a joke about homophobia, but aren't really equipped to do so, and they end up, rather than kind of just exaggerating it to make a point, which would push them too far and get taken off air. Because the moment you start using that kind of language, you've gone, you know, even people who are fine with the odd fact joke go, mm, no, that's too far. Or you've got to kind of have a, you've got to be more clever about it to make it work. There's no meaning, there's no target, there's no satire to be had. It's ultimately just a gay joke, right? That's the only thing there. And it's, whatever the intention, it's so badly executed Hmm. that it doesn't make any points. And at that point, you are just laughing at people saying the word fag, which isn't okay, I don't think. Not to me. And they've, you know, they've been playing this song night after night for well over a decade now, and I can't imagine that no one's like actually sort of 
you know, had this conversation with them and explained why it's not necessarily okay. And they've never, as far as I've seen, sort of came out to say anything in defense of that. But, you know, they, I guess, wouldn't want to sort of show that, would they? I'd, I think the music industry in general, particularly rock and particularly metal, is really bad at holding people to account of saying, um, you sure this is a good idea, lads? Yeah. As we found out with much, much more grotesque examples of people who've just yeah. been absolutely enabled up to the hill. And I imagine people have, you know, a lot of the music industry has just gone, they are a metal band who are making money and selling records. Or, well, not physically, but they're, you know, they're, they're selling units in whatever that is mm. in the 21st century. That's all we care about. You sell tickets, we will put your show in. That's, we, we don't really care what's in your songs, as long as you're not kind of... As long as you're not going to have protests outside the concert hall, we don't really care. I also have a thing, thing that I don't think the F slur should be said in jest unless it is queer men who are doing it. And even then, it's probably best not to do so unless it is obvious that it's queer men joking about queer men and that it's not kind of reinforcing some kind of negative stereotype. So yeah. if it's a gay comedian making uh, a kind of joke about, you know, oh, that's... He's just one of those glorious fags who's you, you just want to dive straight inside, right? If it's that kind of thing, which is not a very good joke, I know, but you know, if it's if it's someone who's using it in a slightly to reclaim it, kind of to say, actually, yeah. we're going to make use this as a term of endearment. It's been a a word we're tortured with, and I'm going to use it as a compliment for that person. I want to get inside right now, right? If you're doing that. There's a big difference between that, just that, exactly. and people where there's kind of no... It's not clear that it's a joke about homophobia. It's just... Because it just, to me, to me, appears like a homophobia joke. Also, by the time it came out, and much worse now, a lot of the context which might make it okay will have been lost to a lot of the people listening to it. Because by the time it came out in 2009, you'd have to be in your 30s to remember the time it was talking about. So I didn't. Like, I'm not young. I'm not like, you know, I'm not like Matt, who's still, you know, in the first flush of youth. I'm, you know, greyed and, you know, grizzled now. And even I'm going, no, I don't remember that. So the thing that they are joking about that would give you the context, most people won't have. So that, there, you know, the, the kind of the context is lost, uh, yeah. which again, I think just turns it into a gay joke. They also did a song called Glory Hole a few albums later, which was not great from the outset, but especially because there's some quite transphobic and intersexphobic language in there as well, which I, I just, I'm not sure I think this is a great idea for for comedy, personally. I just, particularly in comedy metal bands, it's it's not a great medium for it. Um, I'm never going to be a fan, I'll say that. I mean, you've hit it well so far. <laughs> It's safe to say, though, that homophobia is probably the best, not the best material for parody, though, right? Especially in a scene that you know, doesn't see its own homoeroticism most of the time. And has... <laughs> this is true. It's very unaware. Yeah, and it's got, you know, it's got a, a certain amount of difficulty, as you know, we've experienced ourselves, acknowledging that metal does have a his long history of homophobia and hasn't sorted out its problems entirely. Well, this is the thing as well, and it's, it's always... It's always straight people saying that there's no homophobia in metal, and this is, you know, these lot are straight, and they're sort of thinking that they can parody this, and it's just not, it's not done very well. Like I think, it, if you, I don't know if they are straight. For, uh, that's the thing. Well, I really, I don't know any. I yeah, don't we, know. We can't. We can't. Say. I can't tell. But so that's, but it's not. Ob they're not obviously gay, right? Mm -hmm. It's not obvious that they're gays making gay jokes, right? Which does change yeah, exactly. the context. If you're not like openly gay or openly queer yourself it's very hard to parody sort of anything to do with queer life yeah yeah i mean you, you can like do you like the comedian joe lycett mm, yes i, I yeah. don't remember which one that was yeah i do okay so i love joe lycett because one because he's he's trouble uh, but also because he is he's quite camp he's pan he's quite camp and he's he's quite um What's the word? I think feet. It's probably not the kindest term, but it's probably the most accurate one. And he kind of makes jokes about, you know, lads and kind of 
the lad attitude to sexuality. Mm. And when he does that, I think that's very funny because it's so obvious that he is not a straight guy. So him making jokes about lads, 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 and, you know, shagging has an inherent... It's it's clear that he's, you know, he's not being serious because he's... He couldn't be further from that if he tried. Yeah. Steel Panther is kind of the opposite. they, They pass as very straight guys who want to be inside lots of women, in some cases more than one at once. Anyway, I think that's probably enough time spent wallowing the filth of Death to All But Metal by Still Panda. Uh, the Panda, by the way, is just because someone mentioned it to me once and I thought that's very funny and can't get it out of my head now. So I oh, I, my, I naturally refer to them as Still Panda. I'm not actually, I don't actually have a thing against them, apart from their lyrics. Um, the rest of the show will be much more upbeat, I hope. Um, but either way, Am I the only one who fancies a drink now? You're asking me. Yeah. Am I asking, does the Pope take a crap in the woods? <laughs> we mince into the Hate Crew Gay Bar, where we do indeed all fuck each other just because we're gay, and sometimes we even <laughs> shoot hot sperm on each other's te- chests. <laughs> uh, this... Fond memories, Matt. Um, <laughs> this is our heavy. <laughs> I thought that was the t- entire discussion. <laughs> uh, this is our heavy metal gay bar. We come to every week to update the jukebox with music we're into right now, and also to make filthy jokes. Apparently, um, as we don't know what the other person's bringing in anymore, because we chose the format a few weeks ago, but I know we haven't done it for a while. Uh, we have to explain what it's like and why it's good. Uh, at least that's how we can do it for now, as long as I think this works. It may change if I realise. I don't think this is very good. Um, Matt, you haven't been back for long, so would you like to go first, as this would be your first go at this format, or would you like to go second? Hmm. I'll go first, I think. Excellent. What have well, you brought for us? I brought in the second album, I think. <laughs> so bad at writing down what number album it is from us. I think the second album, from the Grindcore outfit, that call themselves Null. And I believe this is the first band I've brought in two albums from. I brought in the, uh, you know, debut last year, um, which is called Interstice, Interstice, whatever. Love that. You love it. White Ward. Because you did the White Ward EP and then you did yeah. the... Yeah. Yeah, EP. Yeah, I guess, fine. Um, <coughs> of course it was White Ward. Who else was it yeah, going to be? <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, this is this is called Metamperic. I don't know if I said that. Um, and I don't know if I prefer it to the first one yet, but I think I think it's definitely just as good. Um, it's sort of more of the same. They're bringing in a few more, a few more sort of bits and bobs, but it's just fucking horrible, horrible noise, horrible music from probably quite lovely people, as is usually the way like this. Um, the vocalist is... I, I'm pretty convinced he's not actually a human, and I fucking love it. I, he is terrifying. And I've like watched some of their performances as well, and he looks like a fucking demon on stage. Um, and on this one, he seems even more versatile than the last, because he's got this real... You know, his I guess his thing is like a real high sort of fry scream, and now he's got this real fucking guttural growl as well and he uses them so well interchangeably and it's fucking sick tom have you heard this i have not not because i'm not interested i am but because i've not been very well i decided that absolute mind-bending filth is possibly not the best thing for me to ease myself back so it's (laughs) it is on my listen to on my to listen to list but it's 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 a few notches down i'm gonna need to work up to that that Um, makes sense yeah, because I, I did like the last one, but it was hard work, mm-hmm. safe to say. Um, I've got two crucial questions. First one is, is it nastier than the first one? Is it basically just kind of as nasty and, and just developed in new directions? Have they done the Nathrak thing of trying to make them, every record more foul and eviscerating than the last? I think it is nastier, to be honest, yeah. I think that new vocal oh, style God. that he's employing is a help with that, but there's also... 
I think more discordance and sort of more atonality and there's like random sort of brass bits being thrown in which are sort of real scattergun there's also oh, <laughs> yeah I don't want to say but like there's a bit of imperial triumphant over here so oh god yeah yeah but I, I still think you will like it and also I don't know if you remember on the last one there was like a couple of you know grindcore ballads like slower songs um, where they sort of chilled out a bit, and there's just none of that on here. I think this is like 33 minutes, and it's just straight up. It's fucking really. Oh god. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. I mean, even for me, like <laughs> this is quite a challenge, but it's a good one. It's one I enjoy taking. Okay, so my second question is: Are they as nasty as Frontier yet? Because they're the, that's the kind of the high water mark of oh god, make it stop yeah. for me. Because uh, like null. I could enjoy Frontier mm -hmm. were just too nasty and I couldn't. It was just too far. And I'm mm -hmm. kind of wondering if this is crossed over into that territory and I should like brace myself, <laughs> be sitting comfortably, have had a, a nice cup of tea just beforehand, or whether I should, I'm going to actually be fine. Hmm. So that's quite a tough one for me to answer because obviously they are both like really pushing the boundaries, but they're sort of, you know, like Nola, they are sort of straight up. They are definitely a grindcore band. And yeah, I, my, like my brain has sort of got immune to that over the years. Whereas Frontera, I don't know what the fuck they are, to be quite honest. Um, but I saw Frontera uh, last week, week before it was Arts Engine, and it sort of it didn't really sound too mental. And so I think my brain is <laughs> fucking just broken with all this shit at this point. <laughs> Like metal has degraded yourself with so much filth. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I mean, I can objectively see that it is fucking nasty as shit. How nasty? I don't know. Um, I just fucking love it though, don't I? Like, it's, you know, in the uh, right arch crossover last week, I bought on Ether, Co Ether Coven, and you know, it's a very different thing to that. But like, two weeks in a row now, I've just been like, I just want to be fucking punished. Okay, so Evercoven were, I mean, they were nasty, don't get me wrong, but there's kind of very tangible songs there, right? Hmm. Have Noel got any, or have they yes. now just obliterated them? Oh, they do. Okay. No, no, they do. They still have songs. I think I probably said this on the last album as well. They, that was sort of the thing. They do have songs, and I don't know how Noel do this, since, you know, it is some of the most ridiculous music you'll hear, but they do have a sort of tendency to make it memorable like i know what's coming after okay. a couple of listens of the album and i i sort of you know it comes into my head randomly you know i'm not going to be stupid to say it's catchy but like for grindcore it's uh it's impressive how they do that i think yeah but you know it, human trafficking by insect warfare i would recognize anywhere and that's fucking hmm. vicious as all shit um i mean, i agree that the first or the, the last null record if there's one before that i haven't actually heard it um definitely had songs i was just kind of wondering whether mm. they had moved beyond that and i've just gone no nah, that's that sounds a bit nice we, we, we that's not punishing you enough because <laughs> if they had that might be the moment i go I, I i kind of i appreciate what you're doing lads but i think you might have to do it without me enjoying yeah. it um yeah, no, but if they're I still do, making I... songs i might be more they likely definitely to come are. With it. they definitely are because i do think it's probably a little more extreme but they are definitely still songs there like there's one uh, i think this was one of the singles guild of blotted lucra also shout out to their song names because i've got no idea what the fuck any of the words in any of them mean so you know that's pretty cool um you're gonna love one of my picks <laughs> oh great <laughs> but it's this one has like like I said, it was released as a single so i had it in my head before the album even came up but it's got this like really chunky riff and he's doing like both the vocal styles like sort of one after the other which is really fucking cool and then it's got these scattergun lead guitars and it is one of the most frenetic and one of the heaviest things that you will hear this year if not ever like it's insane and some of the segues as well between the songs are fucking sublime i like i, I like these albums where there's no you know each song you can tell from each other but like they don't have like a gap between the songs right yeah gotcha there is there is also the possibility that you'd need one but then they just don't let you have it this time which is like nah you are gonna be hurt by the end of this nice well the um d delightful sounding metempiric by <laughs> Noel has been added to the jukebox um i've got 
two albums of lovely posty stuff for the jukebox this week, which uh, I, I hope won't be kind of too off-putting to Matt. Um, because for some reason my brain likes sprawling, expansive compositions this summer. Um, the first up is the reincarnation of a band we've spoken about before. Do you remember when we chatted about Lightbearer a while back? I fucking knew you were going to bring this on. Yeah. Oh, good. Uh, well, my <laughs> first pick is two thirds of Lightbearer's final lineup uh, plus one new member. So it's kind of the, this band is eighty percent Lightbearer, but there are two Lightbearer members who haven't carried on to this one. Uh, the new band is called Air. Uh, that's, I think that's I'm, that's the best I can offer anyway. It's spelled A E I R. Um, you know, let's call the whole thing off. Um, and my pick is their debut album, which is called Volume One: A Frith Befouled. Um, starting as we mean to go on with words Matt's never heard of before. Uh, and it's a lot like Lightbearer in many excellent ways. It's uh, post-metal, very predictably. And it's extremely emotional, expansive, kind of mind-expanding and you know trying to make you think big thoughts. Uh, but there's a, a quite significantly developed style since then. And, you, know, you, can, you can tell that there are similar people involved to... Silver Tongue, which is the last Lightbearer record, but you can also tell that they've had plenty of time to grow as people and musicians since. And I'm actually completely spit, smitten with it, and I was very, very nervous because I thought Lightbearer was so good, and they went mm. out on such a high. I just went, is this going to spoil some very happy memories? Not a bit of it. I love it. Um, so if you presumably then have heard it, judging by what you just said. I have. I gave it a listen. Um... Because you introduced me to Lightbearer in, I think we did a, maybe in January or something, we did a camp classic on a song called Silver Tongue. Correct. Yeah, and I listened to that, obviously, for the show, and I listened to the album, and I was like, fucking hell, it's a bit good, isn't it? Um, yep. So I, I saw this coming out, and I was, you know, excited for it. I didn't get too much on my first listen. I am planning to go back to it because it's, it's a lot. You're not going to sort of take it all in at first. But, like, how have the band, how have the band changed? Like, what, what is different about this to how Libera sort of ended up? I think it's much more um, well, one, it's much more concise. Lightbearer's songs were 20 minutes yeah, long a lot of the time. Yeah, this was and this is, um, the whole album is 45 minutes. 45 minutes is like half of of the last album. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. And it's the songs are much more concise. They go much more places. They get to where they're going to a lot quicker. They're also playing with some different textures they're not doing so much in terms of like i wouldn't say there's so much pro post-processing and so much over the top going on in terms of stuff that they've had to pull out of a pc it did feel quite raw yeah yeah it's a lot more raw and it's it feels a lot less kind of tied to the concept it feels more music and then there's ideas behind that kind of overarch them rather than it is a massive fucking concept that we need to tell in, in, in its entirety so we're going to go on for a fucking age and some things are going to take much longer to say than some people would be comfortable with i never actually had a problem with that too much because uh, yeah, okay it probably was too long it did listen to one setting but fuck it you know what i enjoyed it anyway so you know that's kind of all that matters this i kind of i never ever feel like the music is spending more time on an idea than it really should which you could say Lightbearer might have done and okay mm. there was that there was a real reverie about Lightbearer which I don't think is here this feels much more like a journey and Lightbearer was much more about kind of a state of being like they would wrap you up in a, a feeling and keep you there for quite a long time and it was that was brilliant that was amazing I'm not getting that here I, it's, it feels it, it's quite subtle I think I, I haven't heard that I've not been very well. I haven't listened to all that that much loads and loads of times. So I'd, I'd be lying if I said I've listened to this 20 times so I can really pick up the fine detail of what's changed. I'm talking more in kind of feeling than I am in terms of specifics. But I am immediately going, this isn't Lightbearer. Yeah, yeah. But it's doing an awful lot of the stuff that I wanted them to to do after with the kind of the next part of the tetralogy they were planning on releasing. Right. Yeah, because like you said, this is really sort of expansive and sprawling still. But like, how, how is this sort of? What's it doing for you in terms of like emotions that it's provoking? Because you sort of you sort of said about putting off Noel because you're not in the right place for it, which you know understandable. So like, what is? How is this one sort of? What is it doing for you in that way? Uh, I think, it, I mean, emotionally, it's probably doing 
just for me rather than what they're talking about. The, the impact it has on me is, is reasonably simple. It's similar, rather. It's in the, it's it manages to take me kind of out of myself, which is quite good for, at the moment because I don't really like being in my own head. So it, it, if you are making me kind of leave my head and inhabit your world for a little bit, then that's definitely a positive thing for me. Um, the other thing it's doing is it's really kind of making me feel oddly calm and, and contemplative. Mm. But at the same time, it's really emotional. So I'm kind of, and particularly the last song, I tend to kind of get a little bit of the kind of wobbly bottom lip, which is always a, you know, actually quite a good sign um, if you're doing that to me. It's not necessarily the hardest thing to do in the world. I'm a bit of a soppy gay, but, you know, it's <laughs> true. Um, but... If you can get me doing that when it, I'm still quite new to music, that's much harder because it's used, that's yeah. usually something that only comes with association, right? Something that is associated with a mood or a feeling or that I've just kind of become very familiar to it with and it's kind of having a particular emotional impact on me because of that um, familiarity. If you're just doing it because it's making me go, oh, this feels really lovely. I don't really know what I'm thinking when I'm when it happens either. I don't. It, sometimes I just mm. get emotional not because it's making yeah, me think of something yeah, yeah. sad. It's just kind of making me feel something. It sort of takes you away like that. Yeah, it's just it's that emotion's got to come out some way, and you know, I could. It's it would be inappropriate to, you know, start throwing shapes or singing or anything like that. So it makes me feel a bit emotional. I just think like post metal and post rock and stuff like that is really good at doing that. You know, yeah, I said I was agreed. at Arc Tangent a week or two ago, and like, there's a lot of that there, and it was like the most oh, really? sort of overtly emotional that I've been at a festival, like during a lot of those sets. So I don't like, yeah, I, I sort of have thought about this in the past before. I don't know what it is exactly, but it is the sort of one of the go-to genres for just because I'm on the same as you. It's like I don't know, you know, what a lot of this is about, and you know, obviously a lot of it is instrumental, so it's not necessarily about anything, but it still like provokes such strong feelings from you and it just like, like you said you could sort of float away on it yeah and i it's it is quite difficult to do that even with post metal and post rock though like it's it, it does take quite a lot to make me feel that even though it is mm. broadly very good at it you've unless i get really attached to it you've got to you to do that to me quickly you've got to be doing something quite skillful um, yeah. black metal and doom very it's much easier i get soppy over that all the time Classical music, weeping like buckets. Weeping like buckets. Buckets don't weep. <laughs> I should probably stop talking. Uh, it's too too soon for that though, because I have got another pick, um, which is uh, much more post rock, particularly in its construction. So if you the, the way the song's written, you just go, yeah, that's post rock. That's not post metal, Tom. Um, I'd probably agree with that. But it's really, really fucking heavy, and it's really down tuned, and it's got a kind of grit and crunch to it. And some of the drumming is more metal than about 70% of the stuff we talk about on this podcast anyway. Um, you must be a Russian Circles fan, right? I would be staggered if you're not. I, I like Russian Circles. I've not had a chance to check out the new one yet, so I'm quite interested to ah. what to say about it. Which I'm sort of actually yeah, that's what I'm a little about. bit surprised that you brought this on. I, I thought we discussed this band before. I didn't think you were much of a fan. Well, here's the thing. I like Russian Circles, and I forget how much I like them because right. there's some times when I've got, I've just lost my shit to their stuff. I, I had to think about why, and I think it's possibly because the absence of vocals and the fact that it's more about shifts in mood and tempo and dynamics than it is about hooks means that I just mm, don't kind of yeah, remember yeah. that I need to go back and listen to them because I really like them. Um, the exception is their 2011 album Empros, which is the one that ends on, if I remember rightly, an acapella I guess kind of humanist hymn almost. It's lots of it's called Praise Be Man, and it's just people singing. And I think there might be a little guitar melody, acoustic guitar melody underneath, but that's it. And it's really gentle and really kind of ah joy of the world kind of thing. And that's the only album that I I remember. Fuck, I love that album. And other ones I tend to go, do it. Did I like that one? No, I can't remember. The new one though is fucking great, and I'm kind of shocked that I haven't been back to this band more often because I listen to this and oh fuck Tom you really like Russian Circles These, this band are wicked their new one is called Gnosis and, and you haven't heard it right I've not not yet no okay well I think you're going to really like it because it's one it's really heavy like it's, right. it's not as he heavy as air but you know it's I kind of feel it's more metal than 
rock if you look at the kind of musical aesthetic, so how it sounds. If you look at how the songs are written and how the play of emotions works, it may be not, but because some of it is really fucking hem- heavy, it's got more in common with something like Year of No Light than I think it does with, mm. you know, Cowan, for instance. Um, not to knock Cowan, they're wicked, but just into it, stylistically, they're, they're not really the same thing. Um, no, for sure. I, I find that this is just really... It does exactly what I want post-rock to do, but often I find post-rock a bit light to actually do it, which is to take me on a journey and to really do the whole kind of expansive, we're going to take you from here to here and here, and we're going to take an idea and we're going to think about it for a while, and then we're going to develop it, and then we're going to make it louder or softer or faster or slower or whatever, and we're going to make it so that something you've heard before, you view from a different angle and appreciate it in a new way. And I love bands that can do that, and particularly if they can do it while being heavy, and that's what Russian circles have done fucking brilliantly. I, I, it's so much fun. And I'm kind of, I was kind of shocked at how quickly I went, you fucking love this, mate. This mm. is really good. You are enjoying yourself and having a lovely time. It's kind of all that matters really, right? Anything else is just yeah, bollocks. Um, how, cause you sort of said like, um, you know, Russian circles have in the past sort of explored, I guess a full range of emotions in what they do and sort of feelings that they provoke. And you've also said with it being somewhere like not between Year of No Light and Cowan, but like I'm quite interested to hear how sort of euphoric this one is because they do that quite a lot, but it's also sometimes like the complete opposite end of the sound. I wouldn't call it euphoric, uh, reverential, also not reverential, kind of reverie inducing very much. And it's very much another one that takes you out of yourself and really kind of says Mm. exist here for a bit. Um, because it is quite heavy, I would say it's probably a bit more dark than I remember feeling okay. other Russian Zuckers albums, but there's lots of le- of lightness in there. It's not just kind of, it's not a, a miserable time. It's just, we're going to do some heavy bits along the way. And there's the heavy stuff and the dark stuff is more catharsis than misery. It's, it, it's, it's a lot more cheerful than the air, but it's, I think it's kind of, that's kind of inevitable, really, because it is that much more rock than metal, really. Yeah, well, I was looking forward to it anyway, and even more so after that. So, well, I hope I haven't I hope I haven't sold you a lemon. Uh, but a, a volume one, a frith befouled by air and gnosis by Russian circles, by Russian circles, by Russian circles. Sorry, Russian circles. And hello to Brian Cook, by the way, if he's listening. Have been added to the jukebox. And while we'll have more new music for you next week, for now that is time at the Hatecrew Gay Bar. We finish this week on a camp classic. This is where we, this is where we forget to speak English. This is where we speak about a work of metal that spoke to us as queers and explain why. The grammar was probably all wrong in that. Don't try and think about it too hard. I'm just having one of those days. Um, last time I said we were going to talk about a song by a project featuring a now former Neurosis guitarist and vocalist. Uh, but as you may be aware, that particular vocalist and guitarist outed himself in the last few days as having verbally, emotionally, and physically abused his wife and kids, and he's blamed it on mental illness. Uh, Between us, I think the two of us have plenty of experience of mental health issues, and I think we are, as a result, sufficiently informed to know that mental illness illness is not an excuse for the abuse that he described, and that that guitarist and vocalist can go fuck himself. And we won't be talking about his music. Instead, we're going to be talking about something really great, and as and by people I'm much happier to, to say nice things about. Um, the song is This Hollow Affliction, which is a track by uh, British black metal band Azira from their debut album Efference. Uh, first things first as usual, Matt. Um, what do you think about Azira? And actually, I should, no, before I ask that, I should probably ask, had you heard of them before I suggested this song? Or was this a completely new name to you? Because I'm aware this is not exactly... I haven't picked Metallica. Right, it's they're a comparatively underground band, so I wondered if you actually knew them already. I had never heard of these, no, and they're fucking good, aren't they? <laughs> they're fucking great. <laughs> like this song, particularly this whole affliction, is fucking beautiful. Yeah, like it's I am magic. Well into this, yeah. Like, oh, good. What what's their thing? What's their story? Um, I mean, I think they're mostly people who've been in other bands. I knew one of them from when he was in another band. Uh, and I knew his wife a tiny bit. Um, and he was a, a lovely guy and a, just fantastic musician. So kind of 
hearing that he's got a new band was n- was not a very difficult sell. It's like, oh, I've got a new band, yeah. particularly because the album cover is like the most gay, not metal, black metal thing you've ever seen, yeah. right? And I went, oh, well, this is right up my alley. Let's try this Man, out. The, um, the Bandcamp picture as well. <laughs> like the oh, it's wonderful, there. isn't it? It's yeah. so, like, it's so we are going to totally piss off all the, like, boring black metal must be, yeah. must sound like it's 1993 and we're still in Bergen. Um, like the, so they, I, I think they're people who've been in other bands. But I got really worried because they went quiet for a long time, partially because of, like, the pandemic, but also... There'd been some quiet before and uh, before and after it started possible to do stuff again. Um, but they are making a second record, and I, they are not oh, defunct. Nice. They're definitely like in the process. They've been in regular updates on the on Facebook Live and things like that. So I'm I'm confident that we're going to be hearing more stuff, and I'm very Ooh. fucking excited. I loved this album when it came out. I kind of and particularly this song. The last song's brilliant as well. There's some other really good songs as well. But I heard this song and I just kind of. I can't remember my jaw literally hit the fourth floor because I think I was on a bus when I listened to it for the first time. But I was kind of, I do remember it being my stop and being really pissed off it was my stop because it meant that I was going to have to like walk and listen to it at the same time and just felt cheated that I couldn't just sit there until it finished. <laughs> <Up in there. laughs> yeah, it's grim, isn't it? Um, and, but I just kind of remember thinking, fuck, nothing more articulate than that. Just fuck, because it is one of those things where. There's a moment in it. Well, there's two moments in it where I kind of just remember the the kind of bottom falling out of my soul and kind of load of stuff pouring out. It's it, there's some absolutely magic moments in here. Um, anyway, it, we're not just talking about it because I think it's fucking brilliant. I do, and I'm I'm not wrong, but you know, it's that's not necessarily why we're we're talking about them. Um, what if anything about this song spoke to your queer side, Matthew. Well, the first two lines, uh, Left Dawn and A Festering Plague is sleeping in my withered skin. Um, and I guess that sort of plague being when you know you're sort of getting, and I think it's sort of, well, it's not saying, but like what I took from it is that thing where when you don't come out because of like all your sort of fears and anxieties and all that sort of stuff, that can often cause more harm to you know to your mental health and to your future and to your sort of prospects and everything like that and sort of cause more anxiety in itself than if you were to just do it but it's that sort of um tightrope that you walk a sort of balancing act it's like it's sort of stuck in limbo at some point so it's like, well, wh- which way do i go what which way is going to be better for me yeah and the the kind of the next bit as well the hope delayed frail limbs stir in the hollow harrowing still a threnody of memory fears fulfilled by your will is could, would kind of continue that theme mm-hmm. right yeah for sure so yeah no i can see that and there's some, there's some other kind of stuff in there as well that would follow a similar lines uh, which i totally see and agree with but if i'm honest that that's not where i initially thought of this oh i don't think it would be <laughs> Oh, no, it never is. Uh, it's never... Whatever, well, it, well, no, it's either, like, inc- something you'd never get, or it's incredibly obvious you're going to see it inside 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, it's the... You probably never spot it otherwise. No, the the thing that I... Because I, uh, I, I mentioned there's a couple of bits in it where kind of my... It felt like the bottom had fallen out my soul. Uh, there's a key change just after the 8 minute 30 mark which is where it all hinges on. Now, I've spoken a little bit before about how key changes do absolutely magnificent. Magnificent? They make me lisp. They do magnificent things to me. And that, you know, I I have a number of times when I've been listening to multiple types of music, there's been a key change where I've just gone, ah. Lightbearer Um, being a very obvious example and um, some um, classical music uh, as well most prominently because key changes are more common in classical music than um, heavy metal, unless it well, genuine key changes rather than just being the unnecessary key change for, to extend a song from, you know, a minute to three is in that Eurovision song we spoke Leave about. Leave Beyonce time. alone. I, I swear that was not, that was a comment about Ver, <laughs> Verka Seduchka. I would never, never, never insult Beyonce. Um, but the, I get kind of emotional about key changes at the best of times. I don't know why. Don't need to ask me to explain it. There's just a thing where someone kind of shifts key and it just goes, oh, like it's, it's an almost kind of physical thing that I feel. Um, 
after that key change, though, in in this, just after the eight minute thirty mark, there is this kind of surge of like conflicting emotions. It's this absolute swirling morass of different feelings. It's kind of this tragic joy, but at the same time, this acceptance, and it's it just screams to me of life after you come out. Because mm. the you know the the early bit of the song is kind of sadness and reflection and torment and and that's a lot what kind of sorting yourself out in a world that's not necessarily always friendly to you is like, but then there's this just bit where it's just it's so totally it's just such intense feeling that I can't think of anything else but like romance and sex, frankly, because it is just kind of oh stuff and i don't want to be crude and i always think that people talking about sex and reference to metal just usually makes you sound like you haven't had any but there's just this kind of this absolute purity of joy without thought in that kind of soaring effortless melody with those kind of absolutely fucking thunderous drums the drumming on this song is unbelievable and it, the, the production on the drums sounds absolutely like atomic bombs going off but not in a kind of triggered flesh god apocalypse way and that kind of whole thing is just the kind of thing that i associate with those moments in your life where your emotion is thoughtless it's just a this is mm. wonderful or incredibly tragic or incredibly uplifting or incredibly um down or just incredibly peaceful or something like that which most of which i associate with like sex and relationships really and that it makes me think of some very, very happy times and some very, very bad times all at once. And it's just this kind of, this wonderful summation in about 90 seconds of what it's like once you're out. And it's it's all the best things and all the worst things. Well, it's not all the worst things, actually, that's not true. But it's all the best things in your life and some like awful shit as well. But ultimately, it's kind of, you wouldn't change it if you had the choice. That is actually really interesting because it sort of seems like from nowhere like we do actually have something very similar because I my other couple of bits were some of the last lines of the of the song, no deliverance nor sanctuary from decay, blister and radiance lead me into grey, and I, that's that's like the sort of wanting to come out but not knowing how. So hoping you can sort of fast forward, or hoping that there's some sort of trigger that makes you want to, and then um, you've got the fuel my torment, you hollow affliction, and it's you know that it's probably going to be better and it's going to be fine when you do come out, but you're sort of used to the pain at this point, used to the sort of being in the closet and used to how that feels. And then you have the sort of last bit, the key change, and it goes all, you know, I, I sort of had that in my notes. I was like in, like just on a musical level, that sort of upright vocal and like the male choral sort of unison vocals, it's fucking lovely. And I can definitely see that because the song does sort of shift in, tone at that point and that sort of is like the end of that journey that is when you have you know you've battled through all this like which is the lyrics in the song and then everything well everything but you know it's it's fucking wonderful which is nice yeah 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 it is and it's you know we've come to the same place through different routes it's, yeah. it's very you know, it's, it's like uh turning up at the same party and uh realizing that you could have you know journey together but you've just turned up in the same place. by the way if you can hear a load of noises next to me it's because my dog is next to me and moving around and generally being adolescent and smelly um but yeah it's, it's just it's such a beautiful moment and it's so mm -hmm. it's one of the most intense 90 seconds of emotion that i've ever felt from music and it's just incredible and i i'm still baffled that this band never got more attention and i'm really really pleased they're doing some more thing interestingly um the the guest vocalist who does the you know the high soaring vocals that you spoke about is i think now a full-time member of the band oh, nice. so expect more of that it's even more and I've, yeah and i've heard her work in other bands and i've, I've met her a few times and she's a stunning musician so mm. i can't imagine that's not going to you know allow them to do even bigger and better things i I'm quite excited about them having a new record out, and I'd really, really like to hear it really, really soon. But I suspect I'm going to have to wait because it's probably the kind of thing that's going to need a, <laughs> know, six months to sew together because they're they're not lacking ambition, right? Um. Anyway, I think that is the absolutely fucking wonderful this hollow affliction by Azira explained. Uh, explained. 
I cannot talk. I need to end this podcast really quickly. We're going to have another Camp Classic for you next week when Justify Me by Skywalker will be Matt's nomination. So Christ knows what I've let myself in for there. I think that uh, might even be a positive one. Maybe. I probably. Uh, well, I can't remember. <laughs> I know. Were you ill when you Crazy. came up with this? <laughs> Were you ill or had you just got laid or what? When <laughs> or, or drunk? One of the three. Any one of the three. Um, All of the three. All of the three at once. It's, it's amazing how often those three things go together. Well, at least two of them. Um, hopefully not the illness thing, but we'll talk about monkeypox another time. Uh, we'll also have something wow. else. Yeah, yeah, that went from naught to 90 <laughs> very quickly, didn't it? Sorry. I'm, I'm not I'm not feeling quite myself. Um, we'll also have something else cool, but I'm trying to make something happen, and I don't want to promise something I can't deliver. So just trust me that the show will be good, because I'll, I, I know I've, I will have something good if cool thing doesn't happen um that though is it for hbfm 90 matt it has been well it started out a bit grumpy and it's got a lot happier towards the end which is nice yeah that was a nice little journey though, wasn't it yeah how cute yeah very sweet and you know, it's i always like to finish on the the upbeat note because i don't re- i never want people leaving the podcast going hmm. well that was fucking miserable don't want to listen to that again um, no always want a good climax <laughs> Look at me like that. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, we're just going to have to, you know, dribble out of the speakers and and call in a puddle on the floor. Um, until next week, then, please God, end the podcast. Tom, listen to Noel, listen to Air, listen to Russian Circles, and remember, if we stand side by side, it will get better. Goodbye. Terra. I think we should do a podcast drunk at one point and see how cancelled we can get ourselves. We have discussed this. It definitely needs to happen. Like, proper fucking leathered. Could you say that a bit more camp? I don't think you did it with enough flounce. <laughs>